Good morning to each one. It's a tremendous blessing to be here again, to share together, worship the Lord together. And I would have to echo with what Lyndon already said. It's a blessing to see Myron and Dave here. I wasn't sure if we'd be seeing them here or not, but that's a blessing to see you two brothers here. You look a lot better out of your hospital clothes, Myron. Smiling. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so that's a blessing. All right. Well, I want to welcome everybody here, especially a few visitors that are here. Thank you for coming. Plus, we can share together. I hate to make you do this. Could we stand one more time? I should have caught you before you sat down to pray together. Our Father in heaven, you're a good God to us. And Lord, we thank you that we can gather together like this and look to you. Father, you are a God of truth, God of love, God who made a way for your people. Even though, as we heard this morning, the uh, things that we can look at, many negative things in this world we live in. Yet, Lord, may the, the glorious gospel shine brighter and brighter. Uh, in the day that we live in. And Father, we want to turn our hearts to you again this morning and trust that you will feed us a few crumbs that can nourish our souls and give us hope and encouragement and confidence and all those things in Christ Jesus this morning, who is our only hope. And Lord, that is you. You're the cornerstone. Thank you that we can build upon a firm and solid rock, a a solid foundation. So, Father, bless this part of the service today. We ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> this morning, my desire is that I could speak very practically, not a hard-to-understand uh, sermon this morning, uh, but something very, very practical. Um, as you know, we are looking forward next Sunday to having a baptism. And one of the things that we as a ministry team had talked about, you know, we talked about having uh, some sort of a, a discipleship, something with those that are getting baptized. And uh, I just shared that I would... Consider saying something in a message along that line, something simple, something basic, something that we can get a hold of, something that we can give some encouragement this morning to these young precious souls who have made that decision. Now, part of me feels really bad. I I had known it, but I kind of forgot about it, that the Raber family, I believe, is in Ohio today. Is that right, Jaron? So the, the, the two Raber youth are not here this morning, but possibly they can get the message if they so desire because they also are looking forward to getting baptized. So I would like to talk this morning on a practical way about the whole subject of Christian discipleship and just look at some practical things to hopefully give some encouragement. I would have to say my heart is overwhelmed with joy when I think of some precious young souls making that choice that they are going to follow Christ. And I would have to say, as we heard this morning with Brother Neil said, you know, the darker that this world gets, the more challenges that we face, the more this world has, does not have the answers, the more that this world is going the way it is, and even our nation with the latest rulings that we heard about this morning, the more it just encourages me that the only answer is Jesus Christ. 
And you know, many, many young people, they go into frustration and confusion trying to find the fulfillment that only the world can give. And over and over and over again, history repeats itself. It's an empty world out there. It's a cold world. It's a dark world that leaves young people eventually with a huge mess on their hands because this world doesn't have the answer, but Christ does. And next Sunday, you know, these precious seven young souls have already uh, made their profession. They've made their statement. They've made their their commitment. What they're going to do with their life. And next Sunday, they can make that declaration public. By water baptism that I have chosen, that I am going to turn my back on the world and all that it has to offer, and I am casting my lot with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is exciting. To me, that is exciting. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're here and not made that choice yet, choose to do that. Choose to follow Christ. And I just am just blessed this morning. And you know, this morning when I think of sharing, I would just like to somehow come across... I consider it a tremendous blessing that our fourth child now has made that choice. So this morning, I would like to speak to you, not so much necessarily a preachy way, but just as a father would sit down with his daughter who is getting baptized, the Lord willing, uh, and just speak from my heart some things that I'd like to share with you this morning. So that, that's, that is my goal this morning, that we can have a message like that. And I'd like to liken it. You know... Making a choice to follow Christ and then following Christ, I'd like to liken it a little bit to a journey this morning that you are, you have chosen that you're going to follow Christ. And I'd like to liken it a little bit to a journey this morning. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the example of giving you some tools this morning, speaking from my heart to your heart to give you some tools that will assist you in your journey to making it all the way through your life with your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, as I was thinking that, I thought about the example of a survival kit. You know, when you think of getting a survival kit, you have a number of tools that you need to survive, to make that trip where you want to, where you want to go. And I was thinking of that this morning. And I had to thought of, think of it. I remember approximately, I guess it's about six years ago now when I was over in Africa. And since Tim isn't here this morning, I can talk about him. But, and he won't mind me saying this, but I remember in that adventure, adventurous, um, uh, uh, excursions that Tim took us on while we were there. One one time when we were just sitting there together, Tim made a comment. He said, you know, if I would not believe in being a kingdom Christian, if I would not believe that God has this calling for me in life and all this that he has, that he's doing with his life, he said, if I was simply living for myself and what I want to do, he said, there's one thing that I would do in life. He said, it'll probably never happen, but he said, this is what I would do with my life. And the reason he said it, he was talking about adventure. He said, you know, we don't go to the mission field because it's adventurous. But he said, it sure helps to be a missionary if you enjoy adventure. So he was saying it, that was the backdrop in which he was talking. And then he went on to say that he said, if he just simply did what he'd like to do in life, he said, I would hike across Africa. He said, I would just really enjoy hiking across Africa, all the way across Africa. He said, I would do it. And I looked at Tim and I thought, well, you are really... Um, Maybe crazy isn't the word to say, but that's kind of how I thought. Why would you do something like hike across, across Africa? And I'd just like for us to think about that terminology. If Tim would actually follow what he would like to do, that would be the trek he would make. And I would like to maybe make reference back to that from time to time as we go along here. If Tim would actually choose to hike across Africa, if that would have been his choice in life, 
And I imagine before he would leave, he would have to take some pretty serious look at some of the things that he has on his backpack if he thinks he's somehow going to make this trek from one part of Africa all the way across to the other part of Africa. Some of the things I can only imagine maybe him sitting down with his parents and looking them in the eyes and you need this and you need this and you need and what are you going to do about this and what are you going to do about this? Because I would guess if Tim actually tried to make that trek across Africa, he would he would run into some pretty hard bumps, some pretty difficult situations if he was actually going to make that trek. Now, from what I know of Tim, I think he could probably do it. However, I might make some reference back to that as we go along here this morning. Now, as we think about making a journey, I, I want to also acknowledge to you this morning, and I may come across a little bit this way, and in reality, it is this way. We need to be thinking, and I want to encourage you young people that are going to be getting baptized, and you have made your commitment to Christ, and it is about your personal survival, but I don't want you to get the idea and the mindset that this is going to be a journey that I'm going to be making, and I'm just going to barely make it across this thing just so, and, and, and my whole life needs to be focused on my personal survival. It's a whole lot broader than that. And I think maybe we'll get into just a little bit of that depending on where I go here in the message. But we also know, also know the many tragedy of those that don't make it on their journey because for whatever reason, maybe they don't value the things that at one point was put in their backpack to make that journey. There are many of those and we know there are many tragedies along the way. Turn, if you will, to the book of Hebrews and I would like to springboard into the things that I have to share uh, this morning uh, out of a verse in Hebrews, and to cover where all I'd like to go this morning, especially those of you that are getting baptized, if you have a paper and pencil, I'd maybe even encourage you to write some of the main points down that I'd like to talk about and the scripture reference, if you will, that you can refer back to them because I want to go along pretty rapidly here to get through the things that I'd like to share with you. And I'd like to just take it from you as an, if you could take it from me as an older brother, just speaking on a heart-to-heart thing to be considering about these things as you launch out into this journey of salvation for your own personal soul. Hebrews 2 is a familiar verse, and it's right here in verse 3. I thought it would be a blessing to read a greater part of Hebrews 2, but for the sake of time, I probably shouldn't. Hebrews 2 and verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard them. And then if you drop down to verse 6, it says, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? And I'd just like to encourage us this morning, especially you that are getting baptized, the blessing it is, What is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man that... That here we sit today in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and Christ, what all he done for us. And we have the glorious gospel that's exposed to us here this morning. But referring back to verse 3 where I'd like to springboard off of. And that is, how shall we escape this morning if we neglect so great a salvation? And as the latter part of that verse explains it, it says there that it was spoken of first by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard them. You know, we can go back through the scriptures and we, we can we can look at what Christ died for, uh, how, how Christ came and what he did. And, and here it is, it's confirmed by the apostle, possibly Paul, who's speaking here uh, about all that Christ has done and, and this 
So great a salvation. And then we have these words here that I'd like for us to be riveted in our minds this morning. Two main points that I'd like to spring off of. And that is, number one, so great a salvation. I mean, this is so great a salvation. But the writer here says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So I would like to be talking a little bit here about this great salvation. And then I'd like to be talking about uh, neglecting this great salvation a bit. And then I'd like to just simply go into some practical points. You know, the book of Hebrews here is the book that we know of better things. You know, Hebrews, Bible scholars here... Uh, you know, we talk about the, the, the book of Hebrews is a book of better things. You know, it's a, a better hope, a better testament, a better covenant, built upon better promises, uh, better sacrifices. Um, um, it goes on here. Where am I at? Uh, uh, better enduring substance. Uh, speaking of heaven, a better country, better resurrection, better thing and better things is the book of Hebrews. And here we have in, in this book of better things, we have this so great a salvation. I don't want to call it necessarily a better salvation. But as we look at the book of Hebrews, this whole idea of so great a salvation. And it's a great salvation this morning. But also the reality that this great salvation can actually be neglected. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Now, if you will turn to Ephesians. Turn uh, over to the book of Ephesians just to talk. And this is just a, a precious chapter. I'd encourage you young folks to memorize it. Uh, chapter 2 in Ephesians. Uh, and I just, I'm turning here now just to refocus a little bit and reflect a little bit about this great salvation. And in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3, I'm going to read it here. It's talking here about who we were in fact, some of the words here is, uh, it, it speaks to us in past tense. And I'd like you all to be thinking about that. It, it's how we used to walk. It's who we were. It's what we had. It talks about in time past. And that was us. It says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in time past. And the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You know, that's who we were. That's who we were. We were, we were, we were, that's who we were, and, and we were in such need of so great a salvation that Christ offered us here this morning. And maybe I'd just like to talk a little bit about our goodly heritage. Even though most of us here, including myself, and I think most likely all of you that are getting baptized, you know, you were blessed with a goodly heritage. You were blessed. In a lot of ways, you were spared from some of the things that most of the world population has to deal with. We were spared from it because of a god godly parents who have, have chastened you and have kept you from a life of sin and all those kind of things. But I'd also like you to recognize, even though that has been your situation and your case, that is still who our heart was. As a child, you had that bent, you had that desire, you had that heart that was turned that direction, even though you and I were spared of many, many things because of the homes that we were raised in and blessed. We were still, our name is right there in verses 1 through 3. That's who we were. You know, your parents prayed for you and did all those kind of things, but brought you to this place where today 
you have chosen to accept this great salvation. And I'd like to just read, you know, I thought it'd be a blessing to read the whole latter part of chapter 2 here of Ephesians, but for the sake of time, we won't. But I would like to read 4 through 10 just for us to understand this gift of salvation. This gift of salvation that's available for us here today says, For God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show what is the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And there we have that gift of God, that salvation. It says, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That is a tremendous gift that we have today. And, you know, as we think about this gift, and I'd like to talk here shortly a little bit about this whole idea of neglecting our salvation. But, you know, as we think about this gift of salvation, when we think of this gift that's offered to mankind, salvation, it's a gift. It's by grace through faith. It's a gift for us. And I'd like for us to just think a little bit. You know, we raise the question sometimes, why? And and I can even ask the question myself, why don't I take this thing called the Christian life more serious? As I look back over my past and consider this tremendous gift. And, you know, I had to think, You know, when we think of what Christ went through to bring our personal salvation and how that gift is extended to us today. And I thought of an example of this. My children get a little nervous when I mention their names, but sometimes I do. And Brianne, this morning, it's your turn. But I had to think uh, years ago when she wanted to go to Chile to visit her friend. Uh, and and uh, and she did. Uh, My wife wisely recommended that she would earn the money herself to pay her way to do this trip to Chile. And I'm not sure what all they bake. They bake various things. And she found herself down in some neighborhood developments going door to door, knocking on doors, selling what she did to earn her trip. And that was a healthy thing for her. She earned it. And, you know, think about this so great a salvation. We weren't there. We weren't there encouraging Christ. Hey, you know, yes, go all the way. Do it for us. You know, while we were... Before we were, this salvation was wrought. You know, it's simply a gift. And, you know, I even had to think of the whole, the whole Gary Miller thing. You know, he wisely recommends you don't just go into a, a community to try to help them. Just by giving them things, they won't appreciate what you have. And, you know, I believe that is why we need to reflect more than ever on the price that Christ paid to purchase our redemption. You know, what I'm really saying here is I think there's a danger in us just flippantly accepting this gift without really considering the price that was paid for the redemption of my soul to earn so great a salvation. And I'm going to suggest to us this morning, if we don't focus enough on what it actually cost cost our Savior to purchase our redemption, is that why it is so easy these days to neglect our salvation and value it lighter than what we should. Is that why there is not a, a taking this, the Christian life as serious as what we ought? And you can write that down as one of your points to, to take this thing called the Christian life serious and not neglect it. I'd like to focus a little bit now and move away from this gift. You know, this is a tremendous gift, our salvation. 
But to realize that that can be neglected, it can be made light, it can be made light of. You know, we can become careless. We can become careless in our Christian life and not realize what we have. I also, also thought of another example. You know, one thing that I have been very, very blessed with over the years is I, I drove many, many miles and, and haven't had an insurance claim, haven't had an accident. And here about a year, a little over a year ago now, I made a pretty serious boo-boo. And, and you know, year after year, my insurance renewals would come up. And I would always think, wow, my, my insurance is amazingly cheap. It took one mishap of negligence, and guess what? Uh, when my insurance renewal comes up now, I feel it. I feel it. You know, now I look back what I had a little over a year ago, and I say, wow, I wish I had that. But, you know, for many years I just did it, and I was blessed, and that was okay. But, you know, we can become neglectful and all of a sudden realize, wow. And I'd like for us this morning just to get the reality of the seriousness of the Christian life rather than being careless. Soberness, more soberness in the church of God, I think, would be healthy for us. And I'd just like to encourage you as young people that have a good start to take your Christian life serious. You know, most of us know that just on this side of Harrisburg this week, there was a tragic accident. There was a tragic accident where a young man was hurled into eternity. And I didn't hear much details about it. I don't know if he was at fault. Possibly a car pulled out. I don't know a whole lot about the situation. But just like that, his life was over. And I'd just like to ask the question this morning. If that person could speak one thing back to us this morning. In fact, I heard yesterday that he was baptized four years ago. Somewhere along his life journey, he took somewhat life serious. And I would suppose the home he grew up in, he grew up a, in, in our community, I, I, would, I would suppose he, he heard many times over this uh, gospel story that we're talking about. He heard many times over this so great a salvation. I don't know where he was at. I don't know where he was at, but he was hurled into eternity just like that. And I'd like to raise the question this morning, what would he say to us today if he could speak back from the dead? What would he say? Would he encourage us? Hey, regardless of where he is, about this so great a salvation. Uh, and I'd just like to encourage us here this morning, let's not be neglecting our salvation. So, those are what I'd like to springboard off of this morning as we think about this great salvation. And I'd just like to have it riveted in our minds this morning that that so great a salvation, that so great a salvation can be neglected. I might refer to that just a little bit more as we go along here. I'd like to just talk about a number of different points now. Uh, uh, and I, I just thought of this one this morning. I just threw it in here. I didn't know where to do it, put it in. But here at the beginning, I'd just like to share with you young folks who have made this choice. You know, acknowledge the fact that you are entering into Christian warfare. You are not going to be wrestling this days with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I'd like to encourage you to gird up the loins of your minds and recognize that we are fighting a Christian warfare. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the Scripture, but if you want to write it down, write Ephesians 6 down, verses 12 through 19. A very familiar Scripture, you know, talking about the, the, the proper uh, protection of, of a, a soldier wearing that warfare. We are entering warfare. And I'd like to just note that down there, uh, Christian warfare. But I would like to uh, encourage you this morning, and I'd like to uh, 
to just encourage you in the area of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That would be my encouragement to you this morning. To be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, a, disciple, a disciple is a follower of a person or a idea. Somebody who believes in and follows the teaching of a leader. And I'd just like to encourage that with you this morning to be a disciple, to live your life a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ with an open heart, to be a student, to be a learner, to be a disciple. You know, to be a disciple, I'd just like to encourage you this morning that I believe the world is and does and puts more and more intense pressure. The world wants to disciple you. The world will want to disciple you in life. You will have friends that want to disciple you, and you will have friends that can be a positive encouragement to you, or you will have friends that could be a negative encouragement to you, but there's going to be many things that will want to disciple you. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be a disciple. Let Him, let, let you, let Him disciple you. The media will want to disciple you. Mainstream Christianity will want to disciple you. You know, we talked about the whole idea of so great a salvation. And I'd just like to encourage us this morning that I believe that you could go into many churches uh, across our nation this morning and hear many good messages about this so great a salvation. And it would be the truth because it is a great salvation. But there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. It's being a disciple. It's being a follower. It's being a student. It's being a learner. It's being a learner. I'd like to encourage us this morning to live our lives close to the Lord. Acts 11.26 says that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Why were the disciples called Christians first there at Antioch? And Christian, as most of you know, means the word little Christ. They looked at these disciples of the Lord who followed him through his earthly life who were there in the upper room when I believe the Holy Ghost was poured out, and now they're out there ministering, they're doing the work, and here they are uh, in this passage of Scripture. It says they were called Christians first at Antioch because I believe they looked at this group of men and says, well, they look like Jesus, they act like Jesus, and they began calling them Christians. And that was the disciples that it was that way. And I'd just like to encourage you this morning to study the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to encourage you this morning to draw close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let Him disciple you. Have that attitude, that heart of a student. Study the Lord Jesus Christ so that in the years to come, as you're making your journey through life, souls can look at you and get a picture of what and who Jesus Christ was like. That ought to be our burden. That ought to be our passion for the Christian church today. Get a look at what... So, so the world can look and find hope for their souls that... That we would be like Jesus. And you know, I have a concern today. You know, today in many ways the scope, even across the plain churches, were too greatly influenced, I believe, by the world and many other things. Rather than letting Jesus Christ be our influence. You know, one thing that I'm learning in life, and it would be my heart for you, the closer that we get to the Lord, the more we have a distaste for this world the more we have a distaste for this world. And I'd like to just encourage us that we find ourselves at a place where we're struggling with the world putting pressure on us. Maybe we're looking too much at the world and how it can influence us and we begin wanting that rather than studying the life of Christ and 
and uh, and uh, becoming more like Him. Live your life. That would be a point. Live your life close to the Lord. Study the life of Jesus Christ. Learn to be more like Him. Choose to follow Him. And yes, more and more in these last days that we live in. That's my encouragement for you. You know, I might close here with, with this uh, later in Second Thessalonians 2, 13 through 17. It talks there about in the last days, it talks about the uprising of the Antichrist and those kind of things. And it talks about a great falling away because humanity is not lovers of truth. Become a lover of truth. Become a lover of truth. And because of that, it says the Lord will send strong delusion, deception in the last days. But we can learn to be lovers of truth. I'd like to encourage you with that. Okay, my next point to you is going to be keep your relationship with the Lord up to date. Now, I realize that is a very simple truth. That is a very basic truth. That is something that you hear over and over again. My, you know, don't let it be that simple. We can't get a hold of it. Keep your relationship with the Lord up to date. That would be my, that would be my heartbeat for you. Turn to Matthew 25 for that one. I'm just going to get a few points there at Matthew 25. Uh, but that's my encouragement to you to not neglect one of the most important or the most important thing we could possibly say in the Christian life is keeping our life up to date, our relationship up to date with the Lord. And I'm going to read Matthew 25, 1 through 13 here and make a few points, a few comments. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. When the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us oil, give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went their way to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know not the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man I'd like for us to just think about a number of things with this passage of Scripture. You know, they were all virgins. I believe we could look at this Scripture and we could interpret it. They all had some sort of a profession. They were all Christians of some sort. You know, I believe, the, and I'd like to liken it here at least, that the oil being symbolic to our relationship to the Lord. You know, in various ways, I believe in Scripture, Oil represents uh, possibly the Holy Spirit. I don't know here. But we do know that five of these virgins were simply unprepared. They were unprepared. They weren't ready. They didn't have what it took. And you know, I'm just going to encourage you this morning to keep your life up to date with the Lord. Keep your relationship up to date with the Lord. You know, this morning, Brother Neil shared about this dark world. You know, they had their lamps 
they had their lamps. They maybe even had the, the, the wick trimmed, but they had no oil. And you know, if ever the Christian church needs light for their journey through this wilderness, it's today. We need to have our lamps burning so that we have light to light our path. You know, in this ever increasingly ungodly society that we live in, this dark age and society that we live in, you know, I believe God will always give light and a way for His children. I believe that. I believe God is going to be faithful to the Christian church. But I'd like to encourage us here this morning to keep oil in our lamps, to keep our relationship with the Lord up to date. You know, it's very easy in the day and generation that we live in to say, I'm a Christian. I'd like to encourage you as you make your journey, if you want, if you, uh, uh, you make your journey in your Christian life, you will meet many that say they're Christians, but are they, does their life really testify of the Christian life? You know, it's very easy to say, I'm a Christian and have our lamps gone out. Let's keep oil this morning in our vessels throughout our Christian journey. You know, I'd like to encourage you this morning. It says here that they all slumbered and slept. You know, I'd just like to encourage you this morning that there is rest for the Christian. There is that place of blessed quietness and rest that we can actually lay our head down on our pillow at night and go to sleep knowing that all is well. is a tremendous blessing. Even in the troubled world, Brother Neil, that we live in, what a blessing that we can lay our heads down at night on our pillow and know that all is well between me and my Lord. And that is something I'd like to encourage us this morning that is priceless. The world has no clue. And that is my heart for you this morning to keep your relationship clear with the Lord. But you know, the other thing is we realize that the other five, they also had a rest, seemingly. They slumbered and slept also. You know, there is something like a false peace that we, we can have uh, this morning. Don't settle for a false peace. I don't know what kind of rest this man had this week that was in the tragic accident that was hurled into eternity. But I, you know, uh, keep our relationship with the Lord up to date is my, encourage, my encouragement to us. And I would have to say, you know, as this story tells us, when the midnight cry is and when it's all over and done, the false and the real will be revealed. Until then, it's very difficult sometimes to understand what is false, what is real. There is much uh, confusion in the Christian church today. What is actually Christian, what is not? Because so many will flippantly call themselves Christians when in reality we have to wonder, but you know, when it all boils down and shakes out and it's over, the truth will be revealed and that day will come. So keep your life up to date, your conscience clear with the Lord. Live a transparent life. You know, it burdens me when you hear uh, comments that are being made and things that are being said, you know, of, and, and, you know, just, well, I can, I can do this and get by. Just don't tell so and so, you know, things like that hiding in the church. Don't do that. Live a transparent life. Don't neglect your salvation. And I'd like to give you some encouragement this morning. In the Christian life, sometimes you will lose your way. Now, when I say lose your way, I'm not talking about going into heathenism. I'm not talking about, about uh, you turning your back necessarily on God. 
But there are times in the Christian life where we just have to recognize that I am just not doing so well. Have your heart encouraged. There's a verse in the Bible in Revelation 2.5. It's actually where, where the Lord has given the challenge to the Ephesian church because they lost their, work, their first love. He says, go back to where you got it the first time and get it again. And I'd just like to encourage you with that this morning. Don't despair if you get to a place in life where you feel you lost your way. Just do something about it. Where you got it the first time, go back there and get it again. You can. You can do that again. And you can do that again. I've done that already myself where I realized, you know, my heart has grown cold. I just don't have that love for the Lord like I had at one time. And, and that comes, and I say it to my shame, it comes too often. But I'd like to give you hope this morning that you can go back and get it again. That's where the devil would like to remind you that all hope is gone. You're, you, you, you cut it. You blew it with your relationship with the Lord. You're done. You're, you're an outcast. There's no hope for you. That's a lie of the devil. When you lose your way, you can go back and get it again. And that's coming from a father heart to my children. And I'd just like to encourage you with that this morning that you can go back there and you can get it again. So things aren't going so well. So you found yourself, you stumbled and you fell and you, you've sinned and you've done this thing and you can't believe that you've done it and it, 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 it is hindering your relationship with the Lord. And it is. But don't despair. Don't lose hope. You can repent and you can go back there where you got it the first time and get it again. And I trust that will give you some encouragement. Do you think that young fellow that went into eternity, if he could speak back to us today, do you think he would encourage you with that? I think he would. Don't neglect your salvation. So keep your relationship with the Lord clear. Some of the other points over here I won't spend as much time on. I'd like to encourage you to be a doer of the Word. To be a doer of the Word of God. Not just a hearer, as James says, deceiving yourself. To be a hearer of the Word and not a doer. It's likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, but he goes his way and he forgets what person he was if he doesn't become a doer of the word. And I'd like to just encourage you this morning, and as I'm sharing, you can turn to uh, Matthew 12. Back in your Bible from 25 to Matthew 12. And I'd like to encourage you this morning to be a doer of the word. When God reveals a truth to you or or your parents reveal something to you, or authorities, whoever they may be, the church uh, makes a decision on something, be a doer of the Word of God, and God will bless your soul. God will bless your soul. And here we have these in, in, uh, in uh, Matthew 12, 47 to 50. Uh, Jesus is here talking. Uh, I'm going to begin at 46, actually. Jesus is here talking. And while he talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said to him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. And Jesus saw the opportunity. This is what I look when I, I think what Jesus did. He saw the opportunity to make a point to the people. He says, And he answered them and said to them, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hands to his disciples, his students, those that were sitting at his feet learning of him. I trust that's you. I want it to be me. Those students there learning of him. And he said, behold, my brother, behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Can you see the heart of Jesus here? He's saying, these are who the true disciples are. The true disciples, my family, 
My family are those who will do the will of my Father in heaven. That's my encouragement to you this morning as you pack your backpack for your trek across Africa, if you will. I know it's not across Africa, but as you're charting your course through this life to be a committed doer of the heart and will of God, and God will bless your soul. In fact, it's enough that Jesus says, this is who my real disciples are. Be committed to Him. And I just want to say, you know, I... I lived my short life. I'm 46 years old. I don't know how many more years the Lord will grant me. And I look back to where I first committed my life to Christ. And I look back to the times where I took my own life into my hands. You know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I, this is what I would like to do. Versus just simply letting God go and being a doer. You know, we know so little. We, we know so little about that journey out there ahead. And that selfish nature that we all deal with would like to do it my way, would like to do it our way. I'd like to encourage you this morning to be part of the family of God. Become and be a doer of the Word of God. And you know, I know it's easy. Those questions will be asked to you probably at baptism. Are you willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ the rest of your life? It's very easy to say, yes, I will do that. And I would want you to say that on the day of your baptism. I will follow Him wherever He takes me, wherever He leads me. But I'd like to encourage you to live a life of being a doer of the will of God. Be a doer. All right, next point. You can go back to Matthew 22. Go back a number of pages in your Bible. Matthew 22. And I would like to encourage you, and this is similar to the other one, be a wholehearted, be wholeheartedly committed to Him. Matthew 22, 1 through 5, I'm going to read it here. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again in parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. And again he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come to the marriage. And I know as I'm sharing this here this morning, this is speaking of the invitation. But I'd like for us also to think about it this morning, not just the invitation into the kingdom, but a lifelong life of being committed to the to, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in verse 5, we see what they did. It says, but they made light of it, and they went their ways. One went to his farm, and the other one went to his merchandise. I'd like to encourage us this morning. You know, God will not put up with us having rivalries in our life. You know, half-hearted committed to God, half-hearted committed to our things. But be wholeheartedly committed to Christ. If God calls you to be able to have a business of your own someday, then be uh, and, and, and find yourself successful in that if God calls you to that. But I would like to encourage us this morning as you begin the Christian life to begin a journey of letting Him be the Lord. As we know the statement we say sometimes, if He's not Lord of all, He's not Lord of all. God will not have rivalries. You know, in this case here, the one went to his farm and the other one went to his merchandise. You know, they didn't value this so great a salvation that was offered to them. I'd like to encourage you that this morning. And I'd like to just tell you this morning that throughout this journey that you're going on, you will be bombarded with many distractions in the Christian life. Many distractions come to the Christian life. And it's sad to say there are many tragedies of those that don't make it because they get distracted into other things and lose their way and become neglectful of their salvation. So great a salvation that's offered to you that you've experienced today. 
Let's not neglect that salvation. Me first excuses. It falls right in line with that same thought. And that would be in Luke chapter 9. You can turn there. Luke chapter 9. We want to look at that one just briefly. 9.57. We will begin at. And here we have another situation. It says in 57. It came to pass. And as he went in a certain way. A certain man said unto him. Lord I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus said unto him. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the bird dead bury their dead, but go thou preach the kingdom of God. And he said to another, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I'd just like to encourage us this morning to beware of the me first attitude or idea. We see that coming out here twice in Scripture where it says, well, let me first go do this. You know, this me first attitude doesn't work in the Christian life. That's the part of my life that needs to die if I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd like for you this morning to encourage you to live a life of faith, looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 62 says, There no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Young Christian, I would make this uh, plea to you this morning. As you go through the Christian life, put your hands to the plow. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ for your direction, for your guidance in life. There are many distractions. Don't look back. Uh, you know, there's, I'd just like to encourage you that here this morning. Uh, and right along with that, I would like to encourage you to learn at an early age to properly deal with this thing called peer pressure. And that comes right along with the whole idea of distractions in life. And I would like to also recognize, as we think of this whole subject of peer pressure, there is positive peer pressure and there is negative peer pressure. But many times when we think of peer pressure, at least I do, I interpret it or look at it through the eyes of negative peer pressure. Negative peer pressure. And as we think of this whole subject of distractions, and I'd just like to encourage those of you early in your Christian life to beware and to be careful of negative peer pressure. Peer pressure is a powerful thing. You know, I believe young people many times, and I'm sure I said it many times in my youth, well, it's what everybody's doing. We have to be careful when we use the word everybody. But, you know, it's very easy to say that, well, so-and-so is doing this. Why shouldn't I do that? Negative peer pressure. I'd like to encourage us to be aware of that, to be cautious of that. All right, another thing I'd like for us to uh, encourage us with this morning here is to be committed to a life of walking by faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I, also, I already referred to that a little bit. About some of the difficult things. But I would like to encourage you this morning. To uh, chart a course of walking by faith. Even though dark times may come. And dark times will come. Difficult times will come. Times will come sometimes in our Christian life. Of maybe even confusion. Maybe even frustration. Maybe the plan that we thought God was going to have for my life, the rug was just pulled out from under me and it leaves us hanging, it leaves us frustrated. And the temptation comes to you and will come to you many times. We'll just give up this idea of faith. And I'd like to just encourage you to live a life of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ 
a life of, of accepting the sovereign will of God, even though circumstances may come your way that are out of your control, that maybe even leave you frustrated, to live a life of faith, a life of confidence. You will have many opportunity, I believe, to exercise a life of faith. You know, there will be times in your Christian life where I believe the future in your life may look that murky that you wonder what's out ahead and it will it will only be that light flickering from your candle from that oil burning up be up up through that candle wick that only gives you a certain amount of light and i just encourage you in those moments to walk in the light that god gives you to walk in the light that god gives you and i would have to say now i live my life christian life long enough i've had enough of those disappointments myself enough of those frustrations where it was only faith in Christ that kept me going. I was trying to figure out, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? How is this thing going to work? The why me thing? I'm exposing my own needs here a little bit, I guess. But I've had those enough of those own times myself. And I've found the blessing of God is when we're willing to walk in the light that God gives me. And continue walking in that light. And God will bless your soul. God will guide you. God will lead you. And I just want to encourage you to do that. And having said that, I would have to say that those kind of people that I can look and see a pattern of doing that have become my heroes in life, if it's okay to have heroes. You know, the whole idea of a rich man, you know, young people, uh, youth, growing up, you know, sometimes we look at people that are successful. People that have learned to be a successful businessman, possibly. People that have learned to make money. People that are set in life. People that have a lot of things going for them and we look at them and we envy them and we say, wow, that that person there just really has his act together. And we can become enamored by that. And I don't want anybody that's living in that kind of a situation to feel like I'm targeting them. I'm not. I think God has successful businessmen uh, in the church, part of the kingdom of God, I believe, to fund his work, his kingdom and all those kind of things. I'm not targeting that idea at all. But I would have to say, in my own personal Christian life, the part that really gives me encouragement for my soul and my Christian life is when you have a man or a woman who has had a lot of difficulties, a lot of hardship, a lot of battles, uh, God doing things in His sovereign will that they didn't understand, yet that person is willing to continue a steady course and life is what gives me encouragement. And I will never forget it. I'm sure my wife will never forget it when we, <clears throat> quite a number of years ago now, when we went to Val Yoder's wife's viewing and i remember going to that and there's a number of you here that were at that viewing and i remember my wife and i going and we came to a viewing i don't know if i was ever viewing anymore before and i know marlon that's been your journey where a man actually lost his wife and i remember walking in there saying now how and what do i say to this man how do i encourage this man i remember going through that line seeing his tear trickling down his face that smile on his face and the encouragement that that brother gave me i walked out of there saying we went to encourage that man And he encouraged me more than I encouraged him. Why? Because I believe he's a man that learned to walk by faith. Part of the reason why we have a tender heart towards him is they also had a special needs child that had numerous seizures and eventually died of a seizure. They've had quite a number of hardships in their family and then eventually he lost his wife. And I remember going to that... that, that viewing and having my heart inspired and my heart encouraged because here, the, here was a brother that didn't give up in frustration and despair. And I know Marlon knows what I'm talking about, but was willing 
to continue walking a life of faith even though these kind of hardships came with very little to no answers. And I'd like to encourage you with that this morning, young Christian. When you get to that place where life seems frustrating and difficulties and you wonder what in the world God is doing, just allow yourself to be at rest under the sovereign will of God. He knows what He's doing. And most likely those times will come for you. And I just want to assure you the blessed peace that comes to our souls when we can accept that journey that God has for you. That is where the blessed peace that will come that the world knows nothing about. And I'm thankful this morning that I have that peace. I have that peace. That peace can be gone when I rise up and want to do it my way. But when we accept it, God gives us peace. And I'd just like to encourage you when you find yourself, when, if you find yourself in those kind of dark times, to be willing to walk and the light gives you. Walk by faith. I'd like to talk a little bit more now and look at uh, Luke 9. Talk a little bit more about this subject here, discipleship, and look at some familiar scriptures to us. The call to the discipleship, the invitation here that we have in Luke 9:23, and I'll just go ahead and read it this time. It says, And he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man's advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be a castaway? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and of his fathers and of the holy angels. But I tell you the truth, there be some... Uh, I'll just leave off there at verse 26. We think of this, uh, this verse here as a call to discipleship, a call to be a follower of Christ. And I'd like for us this morning to... to to, to, to recognize the fact that this call to discipleship wasn't just given to the twelve that were going to follow him, that were going to be the, 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 um, the, those that would, would be part of the birth of the church, not just his twelve disciples, but our, that call, I believe, rings out to the people of God today to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. This invitation and what is shared with us here this morning, I believe, is a call for us today. Uh, verse 23, it says, uh, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. I'd like for us this morning to just think about that word in this scripture called daily. This is a daily life of discipleship. I'd like to encourage you that this morning. This is not some sort of a choice and a decision that you have made. Yes, it is. It's an entrance into the kingdom. You're part of the family of God. But that just doesn't just happen and then we go and live our life the way we want to live. This is a daily following the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a daily walk. It's daily choices, daily sacrifices. It's a daily decision of myself off the throne and God on the throne. And I believe when we live our lives like that, there are many blessings to the Christian. I'd just like to encourage you this morning with that, that this journey that you're taking is a daily journey of following the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, many times when we think of the cross, we think of, yes, we think of salvation. We think of reconciliation. We think of that enmity being slain, as I read before. We think of the glory of the cross. We think of, yes, our personal salvation And all those things, when we think of the cross, we think of what Christ did for us, and rightly so. And you responded in faith 
to what Christ did on that cross. But I would like for us to just uh, to, to note here this morning that that is actually not the cross it's talking about. It is referring to that cross. It's an emblem of suffering. It's an emblem of death and all those kind of, all those things. But it's what it's referring to here. It says, let him take up his cross. And I'd like for us this morning, I know this isn't new doctrine or teaching for you this morning, but I'd like to encourage you this morning that there is a cross for you to carry. We all have our own personal cross to carry. And the cross here is symbolic of pain, distress, burden bearing. It stands as a picture of suffering, torture, and even death. It speaks of sacrifice. And I'd like for us to consider this morning an order for us, even though we look back there at that so great a salvation. It's nothing we did to earn it. It was done for us. Christ did it. We reach out by faith and make that profession. We, we uh, accept that beautiful salvation. We do all that. But I believe that our salvation is not an initial salvation experience. Our salvation is a life of being saved it's a life of salvation it's a life of a continued salvation all the way across our journey until we make it to glory and i believe part of the calling that god is giving to us here is to take up our personal cross to pay the price of being a disciple of the lord jesus christ that does not mean i'm not talking here about a earning our salvation it's not earning our salvation but there is a cross for us to carry and i believe Paul understood that cross when he said, I die daily, I die daily. A life of sacrifice, a life of giving up, a life of denying self daily. And you will have many of opportunity in the Christian life, I believe, tonight to deny yourself and take up our cross and to follow the Lord Jesus. You don't need to turn to it. Maybe I'll just refer to it here quickly in First uh, Peter verse 4, uh, 1 and 2. Second Peter, First Peter 4, 1 and 2. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. It talks there about us having the same mind as what the Lord has, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following him, being willing to to be misunderstood. Many times that will that will come to us in the Christian life if we take up our cross and follow him daily. And that's my encouragement to us here this morning. Be willing to take up your cross daily. To deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Even if we're misunderstood. You know... I think many times we get it backward. We'd like to follow him. We'd like to have all the blessings the Christian life provides, would we not? Without the idea of self-denial, without the idea of sacrifice, without the idea of taking up our cross. But you, there's no other option. That's the invitation that he's given to us this morning. Another point I'd like here this morning as we look in these verses back here in Luke 9, yet is to be willing to lose our life for the sake of the gospel. To be willing to lose our life for the sake of the gospel. For, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall find it. For what is a man's advantage if he gain the whole world, but lose his own soul? To simply let our life go. To simply let our life go, rather than protecting our life. To lay down ourselves. 
to lose our life. I'd like to encourage us this morning with that. To be willing to lose our life for the sake of the gospel. Rather than save our life. Because it says here to us this morning. For what is a man's advantage if he gain the whole world. But lose his own soul. To be willing to lose our life for the sake of the gospel. To lay our life down at God's disposal this morning. Is our encouragement to to you. A life of obedience to God. You know, it's very easy, and I, I, I think I know what it was like to be a young person with all of life ahead of me. I, I remember what that was like. I'm 46 years old. I don't know how much life I ha- have ahead of me here today, but, you know, I, I think I remember what it's like to be that young person back there in all life, all my life ahead of me. And we have plans that in life I'd like to do this and I'd like to do that. And, you know, some of those things, God will grant us the desires of our heart. But I think we have to be a little bit careful. Is it my life or is it his? Is it my life or is it his? And I'd just like to encourage us with that this morning, to be willing to lose our life for the sake of the gospel rather than trying to save it. Once again, referring to the tragedy that happened this week, what would that man, if he could speak back to us today from where he finds himself, would he say about being willing to lose our life for the sake of the gospel? Now, as I refer, I'd like to talk just a little bit about this. I think I can do that here in uh, Luke 9, the verses that we read about uh, taking up our cross, denying ourselves, and following Christ. I would just like to give us some encouragement this morning that I believe, I believe it is part of God's design that these simple, basic, sometimes very hard to do, teaching that we see here in, the, in, in, in these scriptures is very hard to do. But I would like to encourage us that I believe it's part of God's design that these practices slash principles are worked out in the local church right here. I believe it's in the local church where these principles, many times over, it's God's design that is worked out. And I, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 12. I'd just like to notice as we think about that. Maybe you think, well, maybe that's just Brian's idea. You know, why... You know, this, this, this idea of a local church, this is where we get together and find encouragement. We get together and encourage each other. We're just this big loving bunch that, that learns to love each other. We're this happy family. This, the, this is, this is, this is the, this is the normal. This is the church life. This is all these kind of things. Well, you know, here in, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks here about the body. It talks about unity of the believers. It talks about the members of the body. And how those things all work out. It talks about, I think in this passage, about different gifts and all those kind of things that work out in the body to make the local church, we could say, the, the, the functioning thing that works on earth. It's the body of Christ. It's all of that. But you know what it says in verse 31? It says, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And it talks about all those gifts. And then it says, but yet I show you a more excellent way. And somebody tell me, what's 1 Corinthians 13 all about? It's all about love. It's all about that kind of love. And, you know, I believe when we, and I'd just like to encourage, especially you young folks with that, and encourage us as a church, that those principles that we see there in in 1 Corinthians 13, that love is something that God gives us the opportunity to carry out in the local church. You know, we get the idea that 
church life is just this, this, this is, this, is, and, and it is this, you know, Brother Earl has me over for apple pie, I have him over for apple pie, you know, we, 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 we have this, that's how we love each other. He don't like apple pie. Do you like lemon meringue pie? But I'd like to encourage us this morning with that idea of this denying self, this taking up the cross. These are part of the scriptures that I believe we can practice, we can apply in local church life to make local church life successful. You know, each one of you could look to the right and you can look to the left at that brother. Maybe you ought to do that. Sitting beside you. At some point, that brother will probably frustrate you. I see some head shaking. Yeah. Maybe we ought to have a moment of silence and you all look at me. Someday this brother will frustrate you. Probably will. Because that's, it's in our, it's in our makeup. It's who we are. And I'd just like to encourage us this morning and I'd like to encourage you young people to value the local church life to the extent that when you find yourselves in frustration and difficult situations, wonder what in the world that brother meant by saying that or why he did this or why that sister did this or did that or the other thing, that these scriptures, I believe, will apply in making local church life a blessing. You know, it's very easy for us to get the idea and the attitude that, yeah, okay, I need to deny myself and I need to take up my cross and I need to sacrifice and I need to go into Lebanon and win some souls. You know, go out there in the street and I'm going to have to love somebody that didn't take a bath for three weeks and has bad breath and I'm going to have to get close to him and I don't feel like doing that. That's part of this thing called denying self, taking up the cross. And I, I would imagine, you know, when it comes to loving the unloving in Lebanon or Pottsville or wherever it is, there is that sense of self-denial that needs to take place. I believe there's many times the group got in their vehicles and they drove up to Pottsville and didn't feel like going. Took some self-denial. There's no doubt about it. There's times they did things up there that I think had a means of taking up the cross. I, I think it did. And I think the Lebanon Children's Minister, there's many times you'd probably rather stay at home. If you were honest with yourself, you'd raise your hand and say, yeah, that has happened many times. I had to deny myself and I had to go anyway. But we sacrifice and we do it. Where are you led in children ministry? Raise your hand. You do that, right? You sacrifice. There's times you don't feel like going, right, Joshua? You do anyway. You sacrifice. Because why? You love those people, right? You know, sometimes I wonder if we kind of get the idea that, well, that's, that's love. But maybe in the church, we struggle doing that like we ought to. Isn't that shame on us? You know, I, I just, shame on me. You know, that happens to me. I'm not, I'm not preaching at you, but you know, that's a reality that I would like to just encourage as we think of, of this life of self-denial. Now, I believe there is huge blessings. There is many blessings that come from the local church life that learns how to have that, that uh, sacrificial love flowing brother to brother, sister to sister. And then the outflow of that is many blessings that come with church life. But I'd just like to encourage you this morning that I think if we compromise on those areas of what Jesus taught us to be real, genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, if we compromise in those areas, we can, we can turn a church life into a mess. We can do that. We can do that. And I've saw it many times over and over again. And I'm not indicating by saying this to you this morning, we have a mess here. I'm not saying that. But I believe churches can turn into very messy situations if we don't do that. I believe it can. And I wonder sometimes if it's not God's will and God's design that we learn how to practice those kind of things right here so that we can be successful in Pottsville and Africa and Lebanon and wherever all God calls us. I'd just like to encourage us with that this morning. That kind of a love, that kind of a love in the local church. There are many believers who have gone down the road 
to the isolation road into independence rather than denying self, taking up their cross, even in the local church. I believe there's many of them done that. And today they find themselves in a bad place rather than that kind of love flowing in the local body. I referred earlier here as I was sharing to the verse in, in uh, Ephesians 6.12 that says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. It also says in there somewhere about spiritual wickedness in high places. Young people who have just committed your life to Christ and the rest of us here this morning, I'd like you to make that one of your key verses in Scripture, maybe highlight it, that you are not wrestling against flesh and blood. Many times we get ourselves in difficult situations and we have to resolve difficult issues. And when we have to resolve difficult issues in church life, and I'd like to encourage you seven, the day will come when you will be part of resolving difficult issues in church life. If the Lord tarries and you continue to follow Christ and you're part of a local church, mark it down. That time will come where you have a difficult situation where you need to face reality and resolve issues in church life. I have done many of them and I will do many more because of myself, who I am. It will happen. But, you know, we have to always keep in mind that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities. We're wrestling against the spirit world. That is part of the battle that I'd like to encourage you to gird up the loins of your mind that you're going to face as you go throughout your Christian life. It will happen. And it's not against flesh and blood. You know, flesh and blood is part of it. We need to resolve issues. But I believe if we apply the simple, basic teachings of Scripture here, as we have it in Luke 9, I think we can resolve issues. But we have to recognize that it's not against flesh and blood. And you know, I have to wonder sometimes, you've heard the message, some of you have it, has circulated around about hell's best kept secret. Or is it a track? I'm not sure. But that statement, I have to wonder if is not one of hell's best kept secrets that those principles apply in local church life to resolve many many issues and if that secret is kept back from the church and we don't apply those principles of denying self taking up our cross uh, for the sake of my brother for the sake of my sister for the sake of good church life we can have confusion in the church and how sad that is and i'd just like to encourage us with that this morning that i think it's going to be a gateway to many blessings that i can experience if i learn to do that and i want to encourage you with that Just a couple more points here. Yet let Jesus be your example. Consider him that endured such great contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You know, it's not something brand new. It's something that Jesus gave us, uh, uh, Jesus gave us the, uh, the example of how to live. You know, that's how he lived. He, He endured such great contradiction of sinners against himself. Let's not be weary in our minds. You don't need to turn to it. Uh, I know it's taking a little bit of time here, but I'd just like to refer to this verse in Second Peter. It's so important. Uh, verse 20, Second Peter, First Peter. First Peter 2 and verse 20 says, For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it and you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. That's First uh, Peter 2.21. Think about that. For even whereunto we are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Then it goes on to talk about him being without sin and so forth. I would like to just ask a couple of these simple questions yet, closing questions here possibly. So when the time comes that I have a struggle with this thing, maybe in the local church, or I'm having this conflict, I am in difficulty, I'm experiencing uh, a challenge in relationships and, and those kind of things. Uh, I'd like for us to just ask a few simple questions here when those kind of things happen. Who am I following? Who am I following? Have I died today? 
Have I died today? Have I taken up my cross today? Am I willing to suffer shame and pain and the such like? Am I saving my life or am I losing my life? Am I trying to protect my reputation or let it go? Am I me first? You know, I think you could look at those questions. I went over them a little bit rapidly. Maybe you couldn't write them down. If you want them, I can give them to you later. But, you know, those are questions, healthy questions for, I believe, us to ask ourselves. I'd like to ask ourselves those questions. A life of taking up our cross and a life of self-denial, even in the local church. Well, I'd just like to say a few more words to those of you that are going to be getting baptized. And I would like to get this, as I read over it, I'd like to go back to Luke 9. And just a few thoughts here. I think, it, I think we ought to at least say something about verse 26. It says, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, where he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. I would just like to encourage you as you anticipate next Sunday, as you anticipate stepping into those waters and making that public declaration that I have made my choice, I am, I have, I've become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to encourage you to do that with confidence, to do that with boldness, to do that with thoroughly convinced that you are going to live your life not being ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to make that public declaration and live your life that way. Don't be a secret Christian. Don't ever be ashamed of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even if it takes us through persecution, if it takes us through difficulty, don't be ashamed to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think I'm going to turn to this scripture reference yet in closing. And I know, and I don't want to plant any kind of fear, especially in you young folks. You know, uh, Neil here talked about it in the beginning a bit, uh, about the day that we live in. And it talks here in Second Thessalonians about the, the uprising here of the Antichrist. And it talks about much deception in the last days. And verse 10, I referred to it earlier, it says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness to them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And then verse 11 talks about God will send them strong delusion. And I have to wonder if that isn't what God is doing to this nation who is turning their back on God. God is sending this nation strong delusion, much uh, deception and all those kind of things because of the rejection of truth. And I'd like to just say this, uh, closing words to those, especially those of you who are going to be uh, baptized here coming up soon. Verse 13 to the end it says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he says, brethren, and I think this is what God would say to you this morning. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. 
And then he says, now the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the God, even our father, which hath loved us and giving us given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work. That is my desire and that is my heart for you. Even though you live in the day that you live in. I was going to read something to you. I just noticed it here. I'm going to read this yet. And I'm speaking now to those of you that are going to be getting baptized. My wife handed this to me this morning. You're looking at your journey that God has ahead of you. You're thinking about the journey that God has ahead of you. You're thinking about this so great a salvation. You're thinking about, yes, there is something like neglecting our salvation, okay? Think of this story here. The story is told of a rich man who wanted to hire a new coach driver. He advertised... And a day was set for the trial run. Three men applied for the job. Each man was to prove his skill as a driver by driving a horse-drawn coach down a dangerous mountain road. The rich man and many others gathered below to watch. The first man came down the mountainside in a cloud of dust, skillfully sweeping around the dangerous curve. He had come, he had, he had come quite near to the edge of the road. The next driver would need to do better. He also came rapidly down the mountain, coming even nearer to the edge than the first driver. The people, heard their, the people held their breath. What chance had the driver to make a better showing? What chance had the last driver to make a better showing? If he tried to drive closer to the edge, he would surely tumble over the cliff to the destruction below. The third driver began his trip down the mountain. What was wrong? Why did the coach move so slowly? The third driver drove the horses carefully, staying as close to the mountain as he could. He took no chances. When he arrived at the bottom, the rich man said, You're hard. You're the man I want to ride with. People who try to live as near to sin as they can without sinning are very foolish. Christians should should live as close to Jesus as possible. We'll close with that. God bless you.